0: Well, Happy New Year. Can you believe it's 2023? We were talking about this earlier this morning, plus we were talking about this at the party. Uh, it's uh, Martin and I were also talking about it. It was, uh, remember movies, science fiction movies, where time travel science fiction movies that were made many years ago, and they would travel to the future? What year were they traveling to when they went to the future? right for example i was just thinking oh what about back to the future too right cuz back to the future movies and the second one which they filmed in 1989 they went to the future well what what year was that so i looked it up it was 2015 so so 2023 is really the future we're we're beyond back to the future 2 movie we've you know they had jaws 19 and playing in the theater and hoverboards and all that—that that was 2015. We should have flying cars by now, and <laughs> right? We well, yeah, I know, but this is really the future. I mean, even Dixon and I were talking about this. He was like, you know, 2023. Where'd the time go? <laughs> right? And I was thinking, when I was 14, you know, back in 1983, 2023 seemed like science fiction, right? I wasn't sure that we were ever going to get to 2023. I can't imagine, like some of you, like, remember back when you were 14 and thinking, did you even think of 2023? Was that even <laughs> was that even a year that came into your head, right? I mean, it's crazy, right? I didn't think we'd actually make it. It seems so far off, but congratulations, you've made it to the future. But... What about New Year's resolutions? I've, I've been over this before. I'm going to talk about it again. But as far as New Year's resolutions go, I have this train of thought, and I've mentioned this before. Um, I think of Israel, and uh, I think of their genuine, wholehearted, earnest intentions, uh, yet completely feeble and misguided, uh, at making promises with God. Not the, not God's promises to Israel, but Israel's promises to God. Right? Uh, Israel, with their whole heart, believed they could keep their promises to God. And they never did. Right? They were gung-ho, gung-ho for the Lord. All the words that the Lord has spoken, we will do, they said. And then before you knew it, poof! A golden calf jumps out of the fire. <laughs> And that's kind of how I feel about New Year's resolutions. I mean, the majority of our New Year's resolutions are are concerning physical things. We're going to spend more time in the gym. We're going to spend more time with our friends. We're going to eat less cheesecake, right? It's it's about our diets, and it's about our weight, and it's about our finances. You know, we're going to quit smoking. We're going to quit drinking. We're going to finally balance the checkbook. We're going to do all these things that we've never done. Uh, All good things, too. You know, nothing to, to be ashamed about or anything like that. We should remember that 1 Timothy 4, 8 says, you know, for while bodily training is of some value, uh, godliness is of value in every way and holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Giving you a little bit of context to understand New Year's resolutions as compared to living a godly life. But we're always, with our New Year's intentions, we're always completely sincere. This is something that we want to do. This is something that we want to change. This is something that we're going to tackle this year. And then the same thing. Poof, a golden calf jumps out of the fire. So anyway, 2022 is done. Thank the Lord. It's in the books. Another tough year. has come to an end. It wasn't necessarily a, a, a fond, at least not to me, a year that I'm going to fondly remember. Uh, necessarily. I mean, globally speaking, worldly speaking, domestically speaking, I mean, we have record inflation. We have wars and rumors of wars like Russia and Ukraine. Even this morning, I think Russia was bombing Ukraine again. Many countries have, you know, economically collapsed or collapsing. Uh, we... All the shortages that we've been talking about for the last couple of years that we knew were coming because nothing is shipped out of China in like two years. They say that, you know, how much of the stuff you think that we get from China? Most of our uh, aspirin and Tylenol and and things like that, for example. 90% of that comes from China. Well, how much has China shipped out in the last year? Just in the last year of their normal product that they export out to the United States. How much of that did they send out this last year? Well, only ten percent. So that means ninety percent of their stuff they'd never sent. They'd never shipped out. They weren't they weren't sending anything out. They're pretty much locked down. The only reason we haven't experienced any shortages that we've felt or or, or been really great that we've noticed is because we have such a warehouse full of stuff, you know, in the United States. Well, we've been using those warehouses. <laughs> We're getting down now to the point where you're going to start noticing shortages. So all of that stuff, when we, when we think about that, and then we look ahead into 2023, 2023 is, is, I mean, it feels weird. We're only one day in it, and it already feels weird. Uh, it's a time of such uncertainty, uh, you know. It's But because of that, there's no surprise then that we, you know, as we do almost every new year, uh, that we can't help but hope for a better future, right? But along with New Year's, we have this crazy idea. Somewhere it's gotten installed in our brain that when we go to bed, New Year's Eve, actually probably New Year's morning, because it was after 12 when we went to bed because the kids had to stay up and watch the fireworks, right? So when we go to bed, that that when we wake up, everything is going to have changed. Everything will be different. Right? All our debts will be erased magically, you know, miraculously. All our aches and pains will be gone. Our kids will suddenly learn how to obey us. And then it doesn't take too long for us to realize that's not con- that didn't actually happen. Right? Right? We think that the new year is going to bring forth within us some sort of new resolve that will finally conquer all our fears and all our doubts and, and everything that hindered us in the last year. And we're going to storm into this new year a conqueror. And maybe for a few hours, a few days, a few weeks, maybe a month. That could be true. And then, right, the reality of life hits us. The new year grabs us by the throat and throws us down on the ground. And we realize, you know, it's not going to be much different than it was the previous year. right? I mean, there's just this something about the start of a new year that gives us this feeling of a fresh start and a new beginning. And I don't really want to be a downer. You know, but there's no difference between December 31st and January 1st. I mean, nothing mystical occurred at midnight. I mean, it might have been an act of God that you were awake. But other than that, really nothing mystical occurred between the two days. But there is hope. There is hope for the new year. There is always hope. Because there's a living hope. The hope of our salvation. The blessed hope. There's Jesus. So this morning we're going to be in Daniel chapter 1. We'll we'll continue with Genesis next week. We'll Continue in Genesis chapter 7. But this morning we're going to be in Daniel chapter 1 and we're going to read the whole chapter Daniel chapter 1, verses 1 through 21. And this is the beginning of everything that Daniel is going to be going through. This is when Daniel is taken into captivity uh, by Babylon. So it says, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the vessels of the house of God. And he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. And then the king commanded, and they were to be educated for three years, and at the end of that time they were to stand before the king. Among these were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah of the troop of Judah. And the chief of the eunuchs gave them names. Daniel he called Belteshazzar, Hananiah he called Shadrach, Mishael he called Meshach, and Azariah he called Abednego. But Daniel, verse 8, So that you would endanger my head with the king. And then Daniel said to the steward, whom the chief of the eunuchs had assigned over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, test your servants for 10 days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance and the appearance of the youths who eat the king's food be observed by you and deal with your servants according to what you see. So he listened to them in this matter and tested them for ten days. And at the end of ten days it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh than all the youths who ate the king's food. So the steward took away their food and the wine they were to drink, and he gave them vegetables. And as for these four youths, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. And at the end of the time, when the king had commanded that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king spoke with them, and among all of them none was found, like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore they stood before the king. And in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters that were in all his kingdom. And Daniel was there until the first year of King Cyrus. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word, and I thank you, Lord for the message that's here. And I pray, Lord, that your spirit speak it to us. And I, I thank you for the encouragement and the hope that comes from this and preparedness, the message of preparedness that is in here for us as we step into a new year. I thank you for this. I thank you for the power of your word. And I thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, it says, for everything there is a season. We tend to, me- to, to measure things by, you know, years, or birthdays, or you know, events like that. Uh, but God, I mean, He uses those as well, but He often uses, the Bible tells us, times and seasons. And not every season that we go through is as enjoyable as possibly the previous season. There are seasons that we go through that we wish we never had, but yet. Within every season, regardless of how tough the season is or what kind of a trial that season may be, uh, there is an opportunity for growth in that season. Right? It tells us in Galatians six nine, let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So regardless of the season that we go through, as long as we don't give up, as long as we persevere and continue through it, there's an opportunity for us there to, to grow, to learn from it, to grow closer to the Lord. This was a new season for Daniel. It probably wasn't one that he chose, right? We Obviously, he was taken into captivity when Nebuchadnezzar seized Jerusalem. If he would had, had a choice, this would not have been his choice. But it was a new season for Daniel. Daniel's, you know... He's young. He's flexible. He's probably 15 years old or something like that. Maybe 14, like my, you know, Dixon's age. He's a young kid. And he gets taken into captivity. Right? It was a new beginning for this teenager. Right? So it says in verse 1, Right? it says, In the third year, right? Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jerusalem to Nebuchadnezzar, right? So you have to understand that Jerusalem was being put into captivity because of they were being unfaithful. But that didn't mean everybody, that all the Israelites were unfaithful, because obviously, as we'll see, Daniel's not. Either is you know the other three with him, who I'm always just going to refer to as the other three, so I don't have to keep repeating their names. <laughs> but. But it doesn't mean everyone in Israel is unfaithful. But Israel was unfaithful. They weren't keeping God's promises. They were were worshiping other gods. There was pagan things that were happening within. So he puts them into captivity. So Jerusalem was besieged. And many of the people, mainly the youth, right? The young and the wise and the skillful and the good-looking, get taken by Nebuchadnezzar. He specifically wants them. And they get taken as captives. Now it says that they were taken to the king's palace. So they weren't just thrown in some dark, deep, deep, dark dungeon somewhere, right? They were taken to the king's palace and it says that they were to be taught the literature and the language of the Chaldeans, right? And the king assigned them and said he assigned them a daily portion of his food and a daily portion of his wine that he drank and they were to be educated for three years. And if you just kind of read it, gloss over it like that, you're probably thinking, well, that doesn't sound like captivity to, to me. I mean, that doesn't sound too bad. I mean yes okay you know Nebuchadnezzar came and took over Jerusalem and technically you know I'm a captive now but I'm in the king's palace and he's given me some of his food and he's given me some of his wine and he's going to educate me and I'm going to you know go through all this it's going to be great this is I'm you know I'm not in shackles and I'm not You know, eating moldy bread and barely getting any water or anything like that. This doesn't, this isn't captivity. This is a great life, right? Don't be fooled, right? Don't be fooled. I know you're probably not, but don't be fooled into thinking that this was some sort of pleasure trip. This wasn't, you know, Babylon U. You know, they weren't, they didn't get a scholarship, you know, to a college. They were in captivity. And what's happening here is really simple. It wasn't education. It wasn't as if King Nebuchadnezzar felt like, you know what, all those kids in Jerusalem aren't getting a proper education. And I I want to, out of the greatness of my heart, give them a great education. They don't have the money over there in Jerusalem to properly educate all the children, so I'm going to take all the children and I'm going to bring them to the palace and I'm going to give them a great education and I'm going to send them home and they're going to be well educated and everything and it'll be better for Jerusalem and this will be a great benefit to all the kids. It wasn't anything like that at all. Right. Nothing like that was going on. I'm going to give them a proper upbringing. This wasn't anything like that. If anything, this was a reeducation. But really what it was was an indoctrination. OK. It was common practice that if you took a city or a nation captive as Babylon did quite a bit, a large uh, you know, nation like Babylon, uh, then you indoctrinate all those who you take captive and you conform them into your image you erase their identity and you replace it with yours you give them a new one you give them the one you want them to have right? so you're in a new land and then they give them new names and there's new customs and new ideas and a new language and they gave Daniel a new name and they gave Hananiah and Mishael and Azariah they gave them all new names Right. Daniel's name means God is my judge, but they gave him a name, you know, Belteshazzar, which means Bel protect his life or Bel's prince. Who was Bel? Bel's a false God. Bel's a pagan God. Bel was a Babylonian God. Right. So he's been named now after a false God and given false protection. Right. Hananiah meant the Lord shows grace or God is favored. That's a great name. But they gave him the name Shadrach. Shadrach means uh, command or illuminated of Aku. And Aku was their, their sun god or their moon god or one of the Babylonian gods. Mishael, they gave him the name Meshach. Mishael meant uh, who is as God is. That was what his name meant. What a great name. They gave him the name, well, who is as Aku is? Again, they're taking their names in Hebrew and giving them the Babylonian name, which is now pointing them to false gods and false religions. They're erasing their identities, or trying to. And of course, Azariah, Azariah means the Lord is my help. And they named him Abednego, which means servant of Nebo. And Nebo was another one of the gods. Nebo or Nebo was another one of the gods of the Babylonians. So saying, you're no longer a servant of your God. You're now servants of our gods. We're naming you after our gods. Right? And so for three years, they were to be educated in the palace, which meant for three years, they were to be brainwashed into the ways of the Babylonian life, the Babylonian world, Babylonian, you know, education, brainwashing. Does that sound familiar? Because that's exactly what's happening today in our world, right? The whole LGBTQ+, plus, transsexuals, transhumanism, what is a woman... Uh, you know what is your pronoun you can identify whoever as you wish I mean there's no man, no woman, no biological sex all these constructs don't exist as they try to tell you blah 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 right? the, the attacks on marriage, the attacks on family uh, you know the brutal attacks on women I mean when you have a current administration who allows men to identify as women and then men compete in women's sports and then women's losing day after day, to men, <laughs> that's an attack on women. That's not supporting w- women at all. It's a brutal attack on women. And <clears throat> it dehumanizes women when you allow that to happen. But then, of course, on top of that, you have, the—you know, of course, the physical mutilation of, of children and chemical castration of children. Uh, just in the news this last week that Texas, the Supreme Court of Texas, would not block chemical castration of this gentleman's kids who were taken from him by his wife and moved to california and they wouldn't block the chemical chemical castration of his kids in california it's demonic it's satanic it's intentional and it's it's a racing Identity. Right? They, they, they might as well be giving them new names. Because they're trying to erase who they are and tell them there's something else. Right? <clears throat> and Satan has taken so many people captive with this false gospel and with these false lies and this deception right? with his attempt to, his attempt to redefine you or your family or your kids erasing all these lines and erasing identities and this is exactly what the Babylonians were doing erasing the identities of the Israelites trying to make them Babylonian Right? eat our food, wear our clothes, read our books, learn our ways, speak our language, forget everything of your life before and That's a strategy of Satan. And that's exactly how the world operates today. Exactly. You may not be in captivity. They may not have come to your house and dragged you out of it and taken you to a faraway land somewhere else. But today the world is in captivity. The United States, the state of Washington, is in captivity to the same satanic you know, ideals. So you're, in a sense, Daniel. What we're seeing here is an illustration, right? It's an illustration of how the uh, the world deceptively seduces those who have been created in the image of God. And he strips away their worth and he strips away their being so that they don't know who they are anymore. Right? Those who God says are fearfully and wonderfully made. Those who God says are a work of art. And those who God knows by name. They don't know who they are anymore. Because of this attack. The world takes them and it molds them into something so far from the truth. It's no wonder that they're lost. Right? They're lost in this sea of darkness and lies. What does it take to get them out? It takes God, right? It takes Jesus because only Jesus can renew us and redeem us and give us a new and incorruptible life. It takes Jesus, right? It says Romans 6, 4, we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in a newness of life. Or 1 Peter 1, 1.3 Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ according to his great mercy he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That's what it takes. It takes death and life. It takes a new beginning for them. But for us we're the ones who need to be pointing them in the right way to Jesus. We need to be like the example that we're going to see here with Daniel it says that Daniel and at least the other 3 had no intentions of following this of doing this in the way that the Babylonians wanted them to it to do it right they had other intentions because Daniel's heart was after God right and they stepped into this new season of captivity with determination and resolve to follow God's word, to do God's will, and to not profane themselves with any of the false gods or false doctrines or to be tempted by the world in any way. We know what you're trying to do. We don't accept it. Verse 8, right? But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Right? The Hebrew word there is sum. It means purpose or determined or set or established in his heart, right? It means resolved. Right? Daniel resolved, or Daniel determined, or Daniel purposed, <clears> that he was not going to defile himself with the king's food or the wine that the, you know, that the king drank. And that's just a picture of what the world offers you. The world offers you riches and luxuries. And they took the captives to the king's palace here. We have a great place for you to live and we're going to give you great food and great drink. This is, we, this is for your benefit. We're going to fatten you up <clears throat> and we're going to teach you and educate you in our ways and you're going to come out of this better off than you were. The world says the same thing. Right? Just start speaking our language. Just start doing things the way we do it. And it's going to be a benefit to you. Start eating our food. We've got lots of great food for you. Start living in our houses. We've got some rich houses for you to live in. Start doing things our way. But Daniel's heart was set towards God, and he had determined in his heart not to be tempted by worldly pleasures. He had determined to live by the truth of God's word, to stand firm in his faith, and let God guide him and not to be defiled by what the world offered. I'm not going to defile myself. I have purposed not to defile myself no matter how delicious it was. A portion of the king's food, a portion of the king's wine. Daniel says, no, thank you. No, thank you. It tells us that God gave Daniel favor in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs therefore said, well, okay, but I'm a little worried about my head. I'm a little worried that Nebuchadnezzar is going to chop my head off if I allow you to do this. Because this is the food that the king himself has set aside for you. Do you understand? We didn't just run out to Safeway and buy you a sandwich and a Pepsi. The king has set this food aside for you himself. And if, I, and if you don't eat it, I could, I could lose my life. But Daniel says, no, don't. You know what? Test us on this. We'll just have water and vegetables. Everyone else can eat all the other food. And in 10 days compare us compare us to the others and see who looks more healthy okay see who's doing better and the eunuch says okay fine okay for 10 days 10 days I'll do this so he does that and, and, and it says that the four youths Daniel and the other three whose names I never remember right they says that they, they they grew in wisdom and they grew in skill and they grew in understanding and they ended, up, they ended up standing before the king. That means they ended up serving King Nebuchadnezzar. And it says they were ten times better than all the rest who were applying for the position. Right? You had a big open call. We, we, we need to hire a bunch of you youth. Come on in. And, and Daniel and, and everybody, they were ten times better than everyone else. Ten times better. It just blew everyone else away. Right? The rest of Babylon, they might as well just go home, right? See, Daniel was in Babylon, but he was not of Babylon. And the Lord honored that. He honored his devotion, and he blessed his actions, right? We are to be in the world, but not of the world as well. It's the same thing. We need to give ourselves to the Lord, just as Daniel gave himself to the Lord, And the Lord will bless us in return, just as the Lord blessed Daniel in return. In the midst of difficult times, in the midst of difficult circumstances, you can still do your job unto the Lord. Psalm 37, verses 5 through 6. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in Him, and He will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Which means people will notice you. People will say, hey, What's going on? When you give your life to the Lord and start doing the things of the Lord and living your life following God's word and not what the world has to offer you. And people notice Daniel right away. And they did not like him. Which unfortunately is exactly what's going to happen. (laughs) And just in case you were wondering what 2023 is going to look like. They aren't going to like you. Because the world is, is going to do exactly what they tried to do with Daniel. See, this is just the beginning of Daniel's time in captivity. And at the beginning of his time in captivity, the first thing Daniel does is, I will not follow your ways, I will follow God's ways. And God blessed that. And Daniel grew to be a, someone of importance in the king's palace. But everyone else were like, hey, wait a minute. That's, oh, we need to kill this guy. We need, to, we need to find a way to trip him up. We need, you know, and they do, right? They try to find all these different ways. They get the king to put all these laws into effect, right? They throw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the fire. But guess what was in there with them? Jesus. They come through it unscathed. It's a picture of Israel in tribulation. He they, they, they has another rule signed by the king that gets Daniel thrown in the lion's den because he wouldn't worship the king. The king thro- goes there the next day, Daniel, are you alive? You can imagine like that l- wait before Daniel replied. Like, I wonder if Daniel's like, should I say anything? <laughs> Maybe I'll wait a few seconds. But no, Daniel's like, I'm fine. Me and this big cat have been having a great time. Keeps me kept me warm last night, rice and cuddly, you know. They couldn't touch him. Because the Lord was protecting them, because they had given their lives to the Lord and were doing the Lord's will. Standing by on God's word instead of the word of Nebuchadnezzar, instead of the word of the Babylon Empire. So yeah, the the, the world didn't like them. They had set themselves apart from the world. They had set themselves apart unto the Lord and so they became targets. The rest of his time, he was a target. Right? The enemy wanted to kill him. And so the days and the season in which he lived was just going to get worse. It was just going to get worse. And it was getting worse because of their faith. And the fact that he had determined and purposed to live by faith and not live in fear or doubt, and not live by the world's standards, but to live by God's standards. So God protected them and brought them through. So you might be saying, well, how is this a New Year's message? Or you might understand exactly how it's a New Year's message. See, like I said, what we're reading here is just the beginning of the story. What it shows us this is simply that when we resolve in our hearts, when we purposely determine not to defile ourselves with what the world has to offer us, then our spirit-led, God-honoring inner convictions can overcome any outer, worldly pleasures, pressures, and can yield God-given rewards. See, the future doesn't look all bright and cheery. I mean, we want it to. Everyone is talking about well, 2023, we're going to get back to normal. And well, what's normal mean to you? <clears throat> normal is in the garden before the fall. That was normal. Yes, we are going to get back there. But what you have to get through first to get there, if you're not following Christ, you're not going to want to go through. I had a friend who called me up, uh, and, and he's a believer, but we were joking about the rapture. And he says, I'm always... He says, I'm <clears throat> I always feel good when I call you and you answer. And he says, on one of these days I'm afraid I'm going to call and they're going to be like, Rich disappeared, we can't find him. <laughs> and then he's going to be like, oh crap. <laughs> I said, well, I'll, pre- I'll, I'll get you a rapture preparedness kit. <laughs> Which is Jesus. <laughs> just, just get Jesus. And you won't have to worry about whether or not you're going to call me and whether or not I'm there. That's what we're heading towards. This year's just starting. And if the last years have shown us anything else, if anything at all, is that the days are dark and the days are getting darker. Right? At record speeds. I mean, Jesus talked. I mean, Jesus loves you so much that he said, one, I will be back. I'm not going to abandon you. I'm coming to get you. I'm going to come get my church. Don't fear. I don't know when it is. Be prepared. It could be any time. I just want you to know I am coming. And if you want to know what it's going to look like before I come, just so you can be you know what the the signs and the times are gonna look like, what leading up to that time, because I don't know exactly when it's gonna be, but if you want to know what the signs here here's what it's gonna look like. So you're not completely blind about things. First, don't be deceived. There's going to be many false people coming in my name. Many false people coming, to, pretending to be me. Second, there's going to be lots of wars and rumors of wars. Third, there's going to be all this worldly catastrophe going on, and people are going to hate people. And there's going to be earthquakes and famines and pestilences. And he says, he says it's going to be like birth pains coming upon pregnant women. And there's been birth pains. Since before you and I were born, but the birth pains are getting closer, and we know what happens, you know, when birth pains get closer and closer and closer and closer together. Eventually, they give birth, right? And the birth pains are rapidly increasing at a rate you can't even keep up with them. What does that mean? That means the rapture is going to happen. And then there's going to be a tribulation. And then Jesus is going to return. And just like that furnace that they threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in, which was seven times hotter than any other furnace. I mean, people were melting before they even could throw them in there. It was so hot. That's what the tribulation is going to be like. Seven times hotter than anything you've ever experienced You don't want to go through the tribulation. I don't know anybody who's looking forward to going through the tribulation. I'm looking forward. I want to be a tribulation saint. Yay. No. No, I don't want to be a tribulation saint. (laughs) I don't want to be a tribulation saint. I want to be raptured out before the tribulation. We need to keep standing firm in the truth of the word. If we were to keep standing in Jesus, right, who's the way, the truth, and the life, if we were to be the light in the darkness, if we were to love our neighbor, then we need to do as Daniel did right here. We need to decide right now, if we haven't already done this, we need to purpose not to be defiled by the world. Right? We need to resolve not to defile ourselves. We need to be determined in our steps and our actions. We need to be resolute and determined to go the direction that God is leading us the direction that God is leading his church. Now is the time to stand firm. I mean, we've all heard the phrase, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. But what about faith? Right? Will your faith thrive in tough times? Or is it going to curl up and hide under the covers? Do you desire a more resolute faith? You should, because tough times are coming. Stand your ground. Be purposeful. Be determined, be unwavering in your faith. 1 Corinthians 16, verses 13 and 14. Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. The message translates it like this. It says, keep your eyes open, hold tight to your convictions, give it all you've got, be resolute and love without stopping. This is how we need to be. We need to be on mission for the Lord. So you can consider, look back if you wish, to the last year. Look back, right? And consider what God has brought you through this last year. All the good times, all the bad times, all the pain, all the struggles, all the troubles, all the trials, right? The highs and the lows. And remember, through it all, God's faithful. Right? You and I, we may not know what tomorrow brings, and we don't. Tomorrow is an unknown for us. We may not know what this this next year holds for us. We don't. But guess who does? God. And we know the one thing that will always hold true regardless, which is God is faithful. Right? C.S. Lewis says, It's funny how day by day it seems that nothing changes at all until we stop and look back and realize... That everything is different. So, if you need to stop and look back at your life so you can, you know, repurpose yourselves, stop and look back and be reminded how God's faithful. And He got you through from there to here. And He's gonna get you through the rest of the way as well, right? So, if you wanna look back, look back for that one purpose to be reminded of the Lord's faithfulness. Take him at his word. There's no reason for you to be doubtful or fearful. I mean, Don't live as the world lives. We're to be a light in the darkness. If we're living as the world lives, we're not shining a really bright light. We're not giving them the hope that they're looking for. We can't point them to Jesus, which is what we need to do. God brings good favor. God still brings good favor even in the worst of situations. So if this year just continues to be worse than last year, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because God will bring good favor to those who are doing his will and following his word. His grace is abundant. So even in the worst circumstances, his grace will overcome. See, the world lives by fear in many things. But Daniel and his friends purposed at the beginning of it all, at the start of everything, which is kind of where we are. We're a little little past the start of everything, but you know. I mean, they're laying foundations and they're laying the wiring and they're building the walls and pretty soon they're going to get to the point where they can turn on that light and usher in the Antichrist kingdom. They're not there yet, but they're putting it all together. So we're kind of at the beginning of all things. We can see the construction going on. So now is the time to make sure that we have purposed ourselves to follow God's will. May we be people who live and walk by faith. Don't let this last year define you. Don't even let whatever's coming next define you. Right? Don't let your pain and your loss... And the hard times and the struggles define you. Don't forget, I mean, the world wants to define you that way. It wants to redefine you that way. It wants to make that your new identity. That's one way Satan works as well. But don't forget who you are in Christ. You're wonderfully and fearfully made. You're a work of art created by God. He created you in the image of God. Your identity is found in Jesus. It'll never be found anywhere else. Part of the problem that we create for ourselves when we step into a new year is that often we carry our baggage with us. The, the very exact baggage that we have been saying for years that we're trying to get rid of. That we don't want to have anymore. That we're going we're gonna to make a resolution this year to get rid of that baggage finally. Finally and we just pick it up put it over our shoulder and just continue to carry it on through the new year. I'm going to get rid of this. I promise. I've been saying that for years but I'm still carrying it. We keep carrying the burdens. We keep holding on to the guilt. We the very things that we make resolutions to give up, we keep holding on to. We keep carrying it on year after year after year. Surrender it. Give it to Jesus. Don't make resolutions. <laughs> I mean, you can if you want. I'm not going to tell you. You can't make a New Year's resolution. But 92% of all New Year's resolutions fail, so just telling you where you stand. right? Instead, let's just be resolute right, and determined the fall of the Lord into 2023. right? The Lord determines our steps, so trust in the Lord as you step into the new year. Isaiah 43, verses 18 and 19. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Follow the Lord. He's making the way. Let's follow Him. Right? Quit chasing corruptible crowns. Press on towards the incorruptible. Right? Don't grow weary. I think we like the ideas of new beginnings and you know, endings and new beginnings and stuff like that because, you know, a new year washes the slate clean and you gonna start over tomorrow, today, no regrets and you know, no debt, no marks against our name, pass go, collect two hundred dollars. I wish, right? Whoever's passing that out, let me know. Whatever we like to tell ourselves. I think th- the reason we like this idea is because we want to experience it. It's true. We all we we want to experience that type of thing, but guess what? We have, we have as Christians, we have experienced it, and we are experiencing it daily. It can only be experienced through Christ. As a matter of fact, you want to experience new beginnings. You want to experience new life. You want to see your slate washed clean. It only happens through Christ. Second Corinthians five seventeen. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. You want the new? It's in Christ. It's the only way you're going to get it. It's the only way. The old has been made new. You died, now you live, right? You were dirty rags, now you're washed clean by the blood of the Lamb. We were singing. Focus on this. Focus on who Jesus is and who you are in Jesus. Nothing else. Focus on His faithfulness, focus on His promises, focus on His truth. And you'll find that it will not fail tells us in First Timothy that this is what we should do. We should pursue righteousness, we should pursue godliness, we should pursue faith, we should pursue love, steadfastness, gentleness. We should fight the good fight. Right? The good fight of faith. Take hold, it says, of the eternal life to which you were called. Take hold of it. Purpose that. Repurpose that if you need to. Right? Hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Listen, let me tell you a truth. Satan cannot shake you when you know who you are in Christ. That's the truth. It's one of the biggest things people struggle with, is their identity. Listen, it may be a new year. I borrowed this from Jack Hibbs. I give him credit, he made up this quote. It may be a new year, but it's the same God. Right? It's not about the new year anyway. It's about God who makes all things new. That's what it's about. Because God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Lamentations 3 22 and 23 says this The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Think about that. Never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. Never come to an end. They are new every morning. Every morning. This morning, tomorrow morning, yesterday morning, they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Great. Amen? We're going to take communion. I'm going to have some of the the elders come up and get everything ready to go. We will do a song of some sort that I forgot to program. And then then we'll take communion together.